0: you see jesus said i am the way the truth and the life he didn't say i am a way he didn't say i am a truth or i am a way to live your life he said i am the way the truth the life today i want to talk to you about looking no further than jesus you know in our lifetimes we can get so distracted from so many things so many options spiritual uh Teachings and so on, but Jesus wants us to know who he really is so that we can experience the fullness that's found in him So because of that, I want to invite the Holy Spirit to come now He's already, We've already made room for him before we were, we were praying for the start of the service and the peace of God Just descended in him. Just, just the peace of God And I want the Holy Spirit to really touch you now. You know, I can't I can't make Jesus known to you only the Holy Spirit can truly reveal it to you in your heart. And so that's what I'm going to pray that he does now. So you can, uh, you can pray with me or just open yourself up to him now. Just say, Lord Jesus, I want to know you today. I want to read an area of scripture that talks about the tension of knowing Jesus is the truth, knowing that he is the way, the truth, and the life, but living in a world that goes in the opposite direction to that truth to that thing that we know hold dear and it's in the book of colossians it's a book i've been studying the last few weeks it's really spoken to me it seems so relevant for the time that we're in for the reason i'm going to share with you so you'll see it come behind me it's from colossians chapter 2 from verses 6 to 10. and paul says these words to the colossian church therefore as you receive christ jesus the lord who is the head of all rule and authority. That's Colossians chapter 2. And this was Paul, the apostle Paul, the church leader, the one establishing different churches. He didn't establish this one. It was another uh, apostle. But he's writing to this young church that is right in the middle of nowhere uh, in terms of their city. And maybe there were a young church, not many of them yet. They wouldn't have looked that sophisticated. They wouldn't have looked like much of anything yet. And, uh, and there was these big voices around them. There was Judaism and the Judaizers trying to pull them back into the Jewish system. There was Greek philosophy. Uh, there were a pantheon of gods that were worshiped in the Roman and Greek world. And they could have just put Jesus on as another one, just like we can get tempted to do today, not to see Jesus as unique, you know, to just tag it in with the rest. And they had all this pressure coming from every side they would have seen spiritual teachers, there would have been people, I don't want to say gurus, but you know, you can imagine someone who would have some kind of spiritual teaching, spiritual enlightenment going on. And, and Paul's saying don't be led astray by that. Wherever you feel most inclined, whether you, you need to feel safe in a tradition, whether you're more spiritually hungry and you need that spiritual, supernatural experience, uh, whether you need to feel intellectually enlightened through philosophy and all of this. Paul's saying that if it's outside of Christ, you're looking in the wrong direction. It's all found in Christ. He is the fullness. He is everything you need. He is before all things. He's everything you need. So don't overlook him and try and look elsewhere, because that would have been the temptation. But that's the temptation for us as well. When I was in school, I was studying Mark's Gospel as part of my GCSE. This is how I became a Christian, really. And it was when I was specifically reading the Transfiguration, when Jesus transfigures on the mountain and His glory is seen by His followers. It was that story. It was reading that story alone at home, at the age of 15, that I started to feel the glory of God come into my living room where I was studying at the time. And, uh, you know, out of all the books I've read, which is hundreds of books, it's never happened whilst I've been reading any of the books other than the Bible. And, and really, from that point on, really a year later, I gave my life to Jesus, because, not because I wanted to follow a tradition, not because I wanted to have some supernatural experience, although I've had plenty of those since then because of Jesus. But it's because I could see him for who he is. He was revealed to me. God revealed who Jesus is to me. And I said, Yes. But Paul is saying that you can be inclined to go down the route of something else and think that it's not all in Jesus, think that you need to look elsewhere and Paul says it all has the same end result it will leave you captive it will leave you captive and Paul says to it, see to it that you are not and the way not to be captivated by false teaching by empty promises of psychology or worldly teaching all these things that can have some truth to them, but don't have the full truth to them. The way to not get caught out is to be established in Jesus, is to be rooted and established. As you've received Jesus, walk in, be rooted in him. Don't be shaken from him, so that nothing can change your mind otherwise. In the banking world, people study uh, real money, right, real notes, so that they can see the faith a mile away and some of us, as Christians, we can get, we can get caught out by, by the wrong thing even if it's slightly off, even if we don't really realise I'll give you an example of how this works in the second world war I don't know if anyone's heard of a lady by the name of Corrie Ten but she was a lady in Amsterdam, she was in Holland and she was looking after Jews in her home as they were escaping Nazi, the Nazi regime. Okay, her and her family couldn't bear to see the Holocaust taking place and they, they did something about it, it as Christians, they, they took them in, they, they, they hid them, eventually with Gestapo find them, of course they're occupied at that point, and, uh, and they're led into concentration camps, her and her family, her sister died in captivity and i was watching an interview the reason i was reminded i was watching an old interview from her in the 70s so about 30 years after all of this had happened and she's being asked you know when when you were in the camp when you were in the concentration camps when you were in the work camps and you're seeing all this happen to you and your family was god there with you did you feel god there with you she said oh yes she said no matter how dark it was the light of jesus shone brighter so no matter how dark it is, the light of Jesus shines brighter. No matter how powerful the devil looks to be getting the whole society to go his direction, Jesus is more powerful. And she believes that. And later on in her story, the man who had ended the life of her sister finds her, later on became a Christian and finds her and asks her for forgiveness. And of course she forgives him. That it wasn't easy to do that, but you see, the reason I'm telling you this story is because that's what it means to be rooted and established in Jesus. That the whole world could go crazy around you, right? That you could go into concentration camps, you can go into these places because you living out your Christian faith and you would still retain your walk with God. When an empty philosophy swept the land, National Socialism, a lot of the church weren't so awake to it they didn't realize what was really happening around them in the 1930s until it was too late and we need to understand the times that we live in it can happen in any generation in any country i mean think about william wilberforce in the 18th and 19th centuries he was the figurehead really for ending the slave trade it didn't quite end it but he brought laws against slave trade and uh, he fought a long time, especially against Parliament, especially against some of the laws they had in place that allowed this horrible racist system to go on. People would own black African slaves in their home. And he is a Christian, said there's got to be something done about this. And even people in the church around him, people so called Christians, they couldn't see the problem with it. And he was waking them up, trying to wake their conscience up to, to see the problem that he could see and others could see and eventually the laws got changed. The church eventually began to sing a different song. They began to sing songs like "Chain, shall he break, where the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease. Right? So, so the church itself, you know, you can't say well the church promoted slavery, you can't say that, but they got sucked into empty, deceitful philosophy. Does that make sense? The, they're supposed to be Christian, they know God loves everyone, we couldn't see that it applied to them as well. What I'm saying is, is that when we, live, when we look back in time, when we look back to 1940s Germany, when we look back to where there was slave trade, we could say, they're crazy. How, how could they as Christians, people who had the Bible in their hands, allow something like this to happen? And what happens is the enemy is subtle, and he works through society, and he works through lies and deception, and eventually... It's the culture that you live in, so, you know, a fish doesn't know it's wet, is it? And we, and the time we live in, if Paul was here today and said, not to just one, you know, you individually, but the church, Christian, so-called Christian, what would he say is taking us captive? What philosophy, what kind of worldly teaching is taking us philosophy? Because it's hard to know when you're living in it, Right? What's the problem? This is just the way we do things. But I'm not here today to say, look, there's a bunch of bad people out there. That's not the message today. I'm saying that we as the church who have the word of God in our hands, in our mouth, should know better. Should know better when we're passing laws, when abortion ethics don't seem to matter to Christians anymore. Don't don't worry about that anymore. When same-sex, you name it, doesn't matter anymore to Christians when we go along with it. Where it's seen as hateful to even question anything. In fact, questioning anything nowadays seems to be a no-no. Have you noticed that? I was speaking to someone in my family who said in the 70s we questioned everything. Now you can't question anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and we as Christians, we've got to test everything and hold on to the good. We have no excuse to allow or to advocate some some worldly ideology in the house of god christians who celebrate halloween dressing up as demons you shouldn't be dressing up as demons you should be casting out demons amen it's like what's wrong with halloween it's like you know you've got your head hanging up on this thing like no like you know what i mean it's not okay all i'm saying is is that empty sequel philosophy right the work of the enemy can work subtly and paul said elsewhere Corinthians, he says i'm afraid that." As the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So, Paul said that, you know, just as Eve was led astray from what she knew to be true, you the church as well, especially young Christians, can be led astray. I was nearly led astray. When I was 16, I came to faith. but When I was 17, I started meeting with another religious sect. They'd always been Kind of in my area, they were called the Church of Latter day Saints, and they look like the nicest people. Mm. Oh, they were actually probably nicer than a lot of people in my church at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this was this was a long time ago, so it's not this church, it's not you, all right. And uh, and they you know, and they're and sharing the gospel, you know, they're sharing the gospel with me, and uh, you know, and it sounds great, it sounds like. Sounds like very simple. to what I believe. Spiritual gifts? Oh yeah, we believe in that. We believe in this. And I remember, I remember talking to my, my pastor at the time, that I started meeting with this group of Christians. They're called, they call the Latter-day Saints. He's like, yeah, Sam, they're not Christians. I'm like, yeah, of course they are. I'm like, maybe hey, they're not, Sam. Well, and I need to explain, like, they don't believe the same gospel. They don't believe in the same Jesus. Right? And they're not, you know, they're not teaching the same stuff. And I thought, well... I'll give it a go, maybe I can try and let's see, you know, let will just see. I just kept meeting with them, I kept meeting with them, kept talking with them, and at one point I, I let them pray for me, stupid, let them pray for me, and I actually think that I actually, at that point in time, let some kind of demon into my life, because I would have thoughts like, why don't you give to the Mormon church, why don't you go to the Mormon church, okay, and I would think it's the Holy Spirit telling me this, right? And I remember, at a later point in time, I was on mission with a uh, YWAM with with mission, and there was a prophet there, and he felt like he's got to read Mount Transfiguration story. That's the story that led me to faith. And he's reading it, and I'm like, I don't need anything but Jesus. I don't need this fake Latter-day Saints church to get saved. I just need Jesus, and I've already met him. I already have him. I don't need to add works to my salvation. Because if you do Jesus plus anything is idolatry, the gospel plus anything plus works is not the gospel. It's clear as day in the Bible. And I thought, and that's when I actually think that demon left at that point. So you know, talk about deliverance, talk about things. I think I had my own experience of it. And in fact, when that demon left, it left in a slightly aggressive way. So there's me as a Christian, spiritual Christian, but I open myself up to. A lie and uh, gave the enemy a foothold but the truth sets us free you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free but jesus said i am the truth and he personally comes to set me free yeah? but that's because i was not established in jesus i wasn't i didn't know my bible i didn't know the telltale signs like i told you earlier on about counterfeit notes you know a professionally made counterfeit note I'm talking to someone who's a professional criminal who would make a counterfeit note. I could put it in your hand. I could put it in the offering bucket. You'd never, you'd never tell, but only someone with a trained eye can tell. And that's why you need to get your eyes trained. You need to read the Bible so that you know where the telltale signs are. You know that when someone's presenting a different Jesus, a different version of Jesus than the one you know. Jesus was a hippie. That's not Jesus. <laughs> Jesus was... This or that, you know, Jesus was Jesus was who he said he was. And uh, if I make a version of him that he isn't, that's idolatry. And and it's the same for you. We like to make a Jesus that, you know, he, he likes everything I do. He believes everything I believe. He doesn't challenge anything about me. That's not God. Right? Jesus challenges me every day. He should challenge you every day you really understand what he's asking us to what he's calling us to. I can't dumb him down to something he isn't. Because then I take away the saving power. Then I've made a Jesus that can't save me. A Jesus I'm comfortable with. In fact, I've just made a big version of me and called it Jesus. Because that's what you've done. Like I said earlier, we can have different inclinations, can't we, of where we get led to. You know, a lot of people, if there were, you know, praise God, a lot of people are coming to faith all the time. But a lot of people lose their faith or well, are on a journey of faith and they get misled at some point. And there's different inclinations that we have in our heart. We're all kind of wired slightly differently, aren't we? You know, some people get led astray with uh, hyper theological stuff and, and, and they kind of miss, they get carried away with you know, intellectual pride, theological pride. There are those who have that spiritual pride. And want that spiritual experience, so they go into kind of these hyper-charismatic kind of churches. I'm not saying like all charismatic churches are wrong. We are charismatic in our own way. I'm talking people who it's all about getting caught up to the third heaven and all this weird stuff, right? That some of it's biblical and some of it's not. And I think the enemy is at work in some of those places, if I'm honest. Especially some of the people I've met in with. And The New Age is a a great example of this spiritual deception, spiritual deception at its worst. It's a melting pot of different religious beliefs, kind of philosophical beliefs, pseudo scientific beliefs, all kind of melted into one. He doesn't believe that Jesus is God, he doesn't present him as. He might be a God in the same way that you were God, right? That's that's essentially what New Age teaches us you just got to realize, you've got to awaken your Christ consciousness to realize, just like Jesus realized that you are God as well. So you don't need God to say, you just need to realize that you are God. That's that's the gospel of the new age, right? And it's very seductive, and it's very, you see, Satan, and, and a lot of them will quote Bible verses and, and, and kind of no areas of the Bible. Satan can twist scripture to meet our desires, right? But we need to know God's word enough. To stand against the schemes. harry Krishna uh, cult as well is, is very similar in that sense. Um, again, presents Jesus, but not the Jesus you and I know. And um, it's essentially teaching that you don't need Jesus to save you, you need to just awaken the life that's within you uh, and the consciousness within you to God. You know, a lot of Eastern philosophy is that way inclined. But I remember, I remember a few years ago when I was, I was studying at Bible college at the time, and there was a there was a Hare Krishna guy there in the town handing out tracks or something. And I, I think I had my guitar on my back at the time, I think. And he goes, Oh, and I said I started talking to him. And he's like, Oh, let me guess. You're a Christian trying to convert me. That's <laughs> what so he said before right. I said to him that I had nothing on me off my guitar, which is a giveaway that you're a Christian, by the way. Um, it Sunday. It's Sunday afternoon. I walk around with the guitar, you know, it's kind of obvious. But he says, "Oh yeah, don't try and it. I used to be a Christian myself. I used to be in the church, and you know, by the sounds of it, he didn't have a great experience, like a lot of people, right? And at some point, you know, we're going through, and I'm talking about Jesus, and I'm representing Jesus to him. I'm, you know, maybe he's been hurt. He knows this about. Or he's, you know, he's heard this about Jesus. But I'm, I'm telling him by the Holy Spirit's help what he needs to hear. And at the end of the conversation, I'm with Hannah at the time, we, we just got engaged at that point, point. Um, and I said, can I, can I pray for you? Is there anything I can pray for you for? And he says, yeah, my, my knee's really injured uh, from basketball, I played years of basketball, I've just worn all the cartilage away. Could you, could you pray for that? So it went from, I don't want to know to can you pray for me, which is, which is progress. So I pray for him and nothing happens. Nothing happens and I go, but then a few weeks later, Hannah's walking through the town by herself, and that man sees her and recognizes her. He's, says, oh hey, you're that lady, you're with that man, she's like, yeah, yeah, my knee's better. Where's that? Can I talk, can I talk to your friend about what we we're talking about? I'm blessed I never got to see him again. He's like, you know, I could have let him believe, you're on your path, I'm on your path, we're all going to get to the top of the mountain at the same point. That is not true <laughs> yeah. you are on a path but you're on the path you're on, you on the wrong path yeah. Yeah. and uh, oh I feel like maybe I should tell you this story I wasn't going to share this my be- one of my best friends he's, he's an interesting person I try I'll try not to give it away who it is. you won't miss to this but he, he was someone I worked with and he had a really bad experience where he wanted to I just feel like the Spirit just pops. You know, when he's preaching, he you puts you put something on your mind. Well, it's not, it's not in my notes. But he was. Um, so, I'm trying to think So, he had a, before I met him, he had a time where he didn't want to live anymore. Okay? And he prayed, and he didn't feel like he had any answers. But then he started a job in the same place I started a job. And of course, I'm like a Christian dude who won't talk about Jesus. okay? And you know, <laughs> what are you up to this weekend, you know, church or conference or something, right? And went through a time where he's heard a lot from me. I remember his girlfriend I was sharing the gospel with her in a pub, or we in a pub, you know, I was having a nice class of coke or And she was crying, visibly moved by what she's hearing. And not long after that, he's he says, "I had a dream, Sam," he, and he's not—he's not a person who wants to talk about his dreams. He is deep, right? He's intellectual. He's atheist. Right. He is a smart dude. I had a dream last night, Sam. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we we're in an airport, and I was going to one place, and you were going to another place. But I couldn't go to where you're going to. I was like, "Well, what do you think that means?" Who knows? You know. I did my best to share with him, but the Holy Spirit had to give me a dream to prompt him. And when I moved here, it was hard because we were such good colleagues, actually, and it was hard because I was, you know, we were good, we were good kind of business partners together, and, you know. And he even said to me, you know, God's provided me or something like that. Like an atheist, and that's just great, you know. And if you if you just tell if you believe the lie that god's everyone's on the right path everyone's a good person and you're not presenting the exclusivity of jesus you're not presenting the gospel you're not doing anyone a favor do you understand what i'm saying you're actually telling them a lie someone i prayed for recently i saw them god healed their shoulder okay they're a muslim god healed them well i didn't heal them there and then i went back two weeks later i said how's your shoulder I said yeah it's better Praise God. Could you put one of these flyers in your window for down to event? He said, yes. Praise God. <laughs> so my Muslim friends help him preach the gospel. That's good, isn't it? <laughs> Colossians 1. This is where I want to land it. I don't know where I'm going to land it today, but I'll try. Colossians 1. He is the image. This is Jesus. This is what Paul said to the Colossian church. You think you're the small kids on the block. You, you feel like Inferior to everyone, let me tell you who your God is. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That is our God. The fullness is in him. The fullness of everything, everything that's within us. It doesn't say he's made in the image of God. Jesus never says Jesus is made in the image of God. He says he is the image. We are made in that image and we desire him really. Even if our desires have been warped. And I want to tell you something, that it's him who's made peace. With us. It's, it's Jesus who's preaching the gap with mankind. It's not us. It's not through religion. It's not through works. It's not through a system. It's not through a church. It's through the man Jesus. There is one mediator man and God, the man Christ Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no one who comes to him. There's no one who will come to God except through him. The only way to God is through God, Jesus is God. Amen. People say, how can Jesus be the only way? It's like, because He's God that's what we don't that's what we don't we see him as an alternative option amongst many what about this what about that everyone else is dead Muhammad is dead Hare Krishna he is definitely dead Jesus is definitely alive yeah and you can yeah. prove it he is alive he has ascended he's risen he's returning and everything he said would happen in the last days is happening around you and people are listening. I've had some conversations there, like with people who are seeking. People are looking for something. People are looking for something. Maybe they're not. They didn't listen in the past, but they're going to listen. But we need to be rooted and established, and we need to know the hope that we have, and to be able to explain it, to be able to articulate it.